Welcome to today's Life Coach Pod show. It's going to be a little bit serious today. We have a serious subject. We're going to talk about grief, grief in the time of coronavirus. We have an expert with us, so I'm really happy about that. One of our frequent audience members, Donna, has had recommended our guest, Andrea. Andrea, Andrea, how do I say it? Oh, you'll get that story later, too. Okay, good. <laughs> we have Andrea with us, and uh, we're going to start off the show, as usual, with a little bit of updates, and I have to tell you about my um, rough morning. So here's the drama that's been unfolding on our street on our, in our, at our house. It's been absolutely keeping me so engaged with being quarantined. You will see there Mr. Chirpenstein. He and his wife were looking for a place to set up a housekeeping. At first, I thought they were going to try to build a nest, but they weren't happy with the location. So I had to go ahead and make some improvements. That is the box that you see there. Today, things got crazy. I figured there were eggs in the nest. I was able to, they left for a minute, so I was able to get pictures. Yes, there are eggs, but here's the drama part. I heard all of a sudden a morning dove. Now I don't, I know blue jays and crows and some other birds will go eat eggs. So I started to get really agitated and worried. And so I was watching this morning dove doing all my research. And then of course called my mom who I always call with bird problems. And she pointed out that morning doves like to steal nests. I did not know this was a thing that they do. So I'm freaking out going, no, you're not stealing the Chirpenstein's nest. They've worked way too hard on it. This was a lot of effort. So I went ahead and put up, and you can see with the pink arrow, put up a different facility uh, listing. There's a new, it's a new property available to the morning doves now. So now I'm trying to make sure that the morning dove can see that there's a place for them to nest that's different from where the Chirpenstein's are, which is there with the gray arrow. And I did manage to really work out the social distancing. I just want to bring that up because I know that's on everybody's mind right now. So this is the drama unfolding at our house. And I don't know if the morning doves will move in, but it's certainly a lovely prefabbed nest. And I did it just like they like it, full of junk in there so they can make it comfortable. So let's just hold out hope. The doves have been back since I created all this nonsense. They have been back a few times. So hopefully it will work and hopefully they'll settle in. Meanwhile, <laughs> when it's not drama, I'm just fixing the slide. Uh, we, it is Friday, April 10th. For anybody who's forgotten what day of the week it is, of course, Friday. So go crazy tonight. Maybe, maybe a bottle of wine, not just a glass. Who knows? It's so hard to live large when every day is the same. So for those of you keeping track, it's the 41st day of March, just how long we've been quarantined mm -hmm. forever. So there you go. Time is passing. I have a, a couple interesting things to talk about. So this morning, a weird thing happened across the street. A, I heard a loud crash and then kind of yelling, um, but like ow kind of yelling. I looked outside and a homeless man had fallen, fallen down across the street. It's a, in front of some garages. And I raced to the front door because he was clearly older, like maybe in his 70s, if not older. And I said, are you okay? And he, he was struggling and he said, I can't get my walker up. His walker had fallen down. So of course I'm double panicked because number one, he's in trouble. And number two, oh my God, how am I gonna stay clean? So it, as it turned out, I ran in the house, got some protection for myself, which was really weak, but I knew he needed help. And then I ran across the street to help him and told him he had to back up. I'm like, sir, you need to stand back against the wall. Can you stand? And he could, he could. And then I got his walker uprighted, which was really difficult actually. And, um, and then he looked like he was still in trouble and I couldn't tell if he was bleeding. I wasn't going to get that close. So I came in and went ahead and called, uh, I didn't call 911. I called non-emergency and just asked if they could come by and do a welfare check because I wasn't sure if he was bad or not. The upside of that is he is okay. And moreover, the, the first responders are super hot. So just keep that in mind if you ever have to call first responders. It's made for a wonderful morning to see those nice, healthy young men, and there were no women on this track out there working. But it reminded me, and it, and it goes with the story that also came out of Santa Cruz yesterday. It reminded me of the story in uh, 1964. And I, and I certainly didn't, was not contemporary for this story, but I remember learning about it in school. Uh, when a woman named Kitty Genovese was murdered outside of her apartment in New York City. The way mm -hmm. the story went, which wasn't exactly true, but is that a number of bystanders 
had heard her screams. With more research, it turned out that they didn't really understand she was in trouble, but she ended up being raped and murdered because, the, because of the bystander effect. And that is when you assume somebody else has got this and it's not true. And what I'm thinking about a lot, what I have been thinking about a lot, even when my own daughter takes a walk at night is that we're all inside our houses and we are seeing what's going on outside, but we may not be paying attention because outside has become bad. And so I wanted to just, and what happened in Santa Cruz yesterday is that a kid, I'm not going to blame him for being out on his bike and I'm not going to blame him for carrying money with him because that's what kids do when they first get money. They're so proud to carry it in their wallet. But a kid in Santa Cruz was robbed by another kid, beaten up and robbed by another kid. But what's worrisome about the story is that did people see it? Did people watch? Did people see this thing go down and not go out and help the kids because we're all so afraid of getting sick? And I can't think of anything worse right now than this fear of dying from COVID, which again, that's not a high percentage folks, but I get it, it's still terrifying and not helping our neighbors. So I just wanted to bring up the bystander effect. I wanted to have it in your consciousness to think about and, and probably if I had prepared better in my own mind about what I would do if somebody needed help ahead of time, I would have responded more effectively this morning. I really was caught off guard, but now I'm gonna rehearse that in my mind and know where I'm gonna have a pair of gloves by the door. I'm gonna have these things ready. So if somebody did need help outside, I'm gonna put a mask by the door too, even if it's one of my homemade ones. So if somebody did need help, I could rush out to help them. So that's my first speech about the bystander effect. The second is about the U.S. Post Office. If you guys, this is a story I just want you guys to tune into because it's a big deal and here's why it's gonna be a big deal. If we wanna have voting by mail, we're gonna need our postal service. But more fundamentally, and this is what many people forget because it may not be your experience, that's how a lot of people now get their meds. It's how most retirement checks, most social security checks, pension checks, all kinds of services are provided through the postal service that we take for granted or forget about our neighbors who consider this vital, especially our seniors, just the sweet card that you wanna to send to grandma because you can't be with her right now. Those kind of things are gonna fall away if we lose our postal service. Supposedly it's protected in the constitution, but that hasn't seemed to protect any of us these days. So I wanna bring it up because again, you may have to, say something to your representative and make sure that your voice is heard on this, that we need the U.S. mail. Um, it particularly serves rural, rural communities where Amazon and those guys take their sweet time or charge an arm and a leg for the extra service. So please follow the U.S. Postal Service story. And I absolutely think it's a foundational part of our service and it should not be privatized because we all know what happens when things get privatized, prices go up and service goes down. And it becomes again an exclusive service for those who can pay. And the postal service has been accessible for everybody for our lifetimes. It would be a shame to lose it now because our nation is in a big fat mess. Okay, and then the last story, which, um, which is somehow eerily appropriate for today in New York City, people who've died from coronavirus and have not been claimed by anyone are being buried right now on Hart Island. I don't know that I ever thought I'd ever see anything like this in my lifetime. I understand that there's always been a, um, when they call it pauper's grave kind of thing, where you are buried if there's no one to claim you. But the idea that we are now doing this en masse on Hart Island, uh, if, if nobody's claimed their person, and we also know there's confusion going on, so I'm not even sure they're getting it right, but again, not my problem. But it's, it's a time where things are definitely gone sideways. And if you haven't looked at these pictures, take a moment, maybe however you uh, connect with the universe, take a moment and say a prayer, because this is, this is hard. And it's, it's extremely upsetting to look at if you are anyway empathetic and connect with with what's going on in the, in the United States and around the world right now. Which is an interesting segue to our guest today. But before I introduce her, I just want to let you know we have shows coming up next week. Uh, I'm going to be talking about how to build your personal brand. Part two, part one was this Monday. I'll be back in it on um, this following, the coming up Monday. Shelly Carpati will be here to talk about resumes and your career in this weird time. And then I've uh, got a couple other guests coming, but I need to confirm them. And of course, Laurel will be here to talk about 
what's in a name, branding, how it happens behind the scenes. So that's slated for next week. But today, as we move into a serious conversation about a serious thing, I'd like to introduce Andrea Lott, who is a bereavement counselor. And uh, it was interesting when I first spoke with her because she is hearing it and seeing it. And, and for me, um, I think I've mentioned, lost someone in my extended, extended family, my community family, and I can't go hug her husband. She died uh, over a week ago and I can't go see him. And so well, we have Facebook. That's like kind of it, which just doesn't feel the same. And it certainly doesn't, I don't feel like, it doesn't feel like it's finished. Like I, I just don't know what to do. So I'm going to um, let uh, Andrea introduce herself a bit more and let's, let's dig into this rough topic. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, everybody. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that, that you can't reach out and get a hug. You know, one of the things in our grief group, and we'll talk about that, um, is, is the touching, the hug. We like to give a hug. And so many people in their grief, and just period, and now especially, need a hug. I mean, I have sometimes hugged my dog. I mean, I have my spouse, my husband, I can hug him, but, you know, but it's, it's important to have that physical contact. But um, me, um, I told you I would give you the name story. My name is Andrea or Andrea or Andy. Uh, and the reason it's those three is my fifth grade teacher said the correct French, French pronunciation is Andrea. So yeah. it's Andrea. Then I go home and my family, I'm at home growing up, I was Andy. And my husband, who I, you know, I'm Andrea, he calls me Andrea. So I'm whichever one, you know, as, as they used to say, just don't call me late for dinner. That's or, right. I used to say, answer to anything. But, you know, I'm, I'm an older bird. I went back to school. I want to say in 2015, I graduated. Um, I went back for my master's because I was an athletic director for almost 20 years. I think, I, I'm not sure if it still is, but um, I actually was an 11-man football coach here in California. <clears throat> and um, I wound up uh, coaching a winning team. But now you're seeing more women in football coaching. Um, I went back to school because from sports, I had the athletes coming into my office and telling me their problems. They were hurting. Um, I am a military spouse. My husband's retired Navy. Go Navy. Go Navy. Um, yeah. And so while he was doing that, we were, we were stationed on Guam, actually. And that's a popular name right now. People hear that name now because that's where the, the aircraft carrier is stationed off of or is ported off of is Guam. <clears throat> Sorry, I have the, not a chrono tickle, but I've got I know, that's, we say, no, 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 I'm just choking on my spit. Leave me yeah. alone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the USS Roosevelt is there believe, now where the soldiers are able to get help. Yes. Okay. And uh, anyway, so I worked with a lot of youth there, uh, worked, um, and I guess you could say I've always kind of worked with people. Um, but what, what really did it for me is I, I had a, a kid once that came to me and said, you know, I'm, I want to kill my, my family or kill my dad and I want to kill myself. And I had to, I wound up talking him through that, but that kind of changed me. And so undergrad was organizational management because I thought, oh no, it's going to stay sports. But I eventually went, like I say, back to school, but I have a master's in professional clinical counseling. Um, I actually have a, a minor in life coach. <laughs> And um, I'm a CPR instructor. Um, so what you said, and I'm going to tie this in here, um, the CPR instructor, me, when you said you went to help, you know, that's that good Samaritan, and that is what we need to do. But um, having prepared the little, and I don't have it with me, but it's a keychain where you have your mask and your gloves. Mm -hmm. And if you have that by your door, or actually, you know, on your person, but in these days and times, maybe have it hanging on the door even, um, and I would even go so far as to say a first aid kit in your home that works because one of the things, you know, I have two grandkids and we tell them, you know, we don't want you guys getting hurt because the last place I want you to go is the ER. <laughs> True. It's really bad. And for any of us, you know, a simple fall in the yard 
you know, we have to be careful because we don't want to go to the ER. Um, but anyway, so as things spun, I, um, I wound up at Adventist Health because of a friend. Um, this friend said, hey, you know, you would do great because I like loving on people. And one of the things that I call my, my calling um, is to provide soul care, caring for a soul. All of us have a soul and to care for that. And um, so <laughs> I, I just didn't think ever that I would be involved in bereavement or grief or hospice. Those were words that terrified me. You know, I've shared with um, my group that we have, um, there was a time where every day I would go out, oh, I'm going to die today. Oh, the, the D word. It just was a terror for me and actually was a little bit of a problem. Um, and through some, some therapeutic work myself um, and some distraction, you know, I, I didn't have to die every day because that's kind of what it's like, but that's how people hurt with um, the different mental um, problems that they can have. But anyway, so here I am and I learned about it and that is what did it. I started attending the group when I first started and I started working on my grief. My sister, uh, the middle sister, there's three of us. I'm the youngest and then the oldest and then me. Um, my, my middle sister is on hospice in Ohio. Um, you talk about COVID now and the restrictions. Last week, she had to go to a hospice home. And in a hospice home, it's where they're not able to be managed, whether it's their pain or whether the caregiver is fatigued. It's a place where they go for respite so that they um, can be attended to. I, I equivocated that with a nursing home. And of course, again, with COVID now, we hear nursing home, we think, okay, they're getting carried out. They're, uh, yeah, it's just a trap, right? It just feels exactly. terrible. Exactly. Well, um, it, it was interesting because she actually did well, but I got to feel not only the, her being in hospice and understanding that and being able to relate that with those that I work with and that I serve, but um, my, my grief, I was thinking, oh my gosh, if she passes away, I can't go. And, you know, yeah, some, some modes of transportation are still working, but so many, you know, you, you can't. And, okay, I don't like the fly. <laughs> anyway. Although you could have the plane to yourself, but I'm just, but I understand. Yes, it doesn't change it for you. If you don't like the fly, you don't like the fly. train, and that's a little long. But anyway, it, it, it was a real thing. And so, yes, now... Um, that's pretty much all I do. I don't do, I used to do social work with the hospice component, which meant I went to the homes and worked with the families and worked with the patient. Uh, and now I just do the bereavement coordination and the volunteer coordination. And on that note, I'm going to put out a plug. We are needing volunteers and, and you hear it on the news, not having face masks. And there's a need for people to make face masks and get them to your hospice agencies, get them to the hospitals, because just even for the nurses' families, they don't have time to sew. They are truly work. Our nurses are amazing, amazing what they face every day. And in hospice, you go into people's homes, you don't know what you're going to find. It is, and it's home care and hospice, but you're in a home. So it's not like someone coming to you at the hospital where you can so say, whoa, let me triage this, let me do it. You don't know what you're stepping into. And so I call them, you know, superheroes because they go out um, and they take care of people. They take care of hurting, dying, and it's first, first line. And um, what we're talking about today, grief, bereavement, loss. Is not a popular topic in our country, in our actually culture. We don't talk right. about this. Right. Um, and when we do, you know, we, we talk about this in our group a lot. There's the little sayings like, um, you know, oh, they're in a better place. 
oh, at least they're not suffering anymore. Those type of things. And then the grieving person is told, be strong. You'll get over it. You got to go on. All these things. Um, and and it's it's hard. But we do need to talk about it. It's, it's, uh, it's not just something that happens and the next day it's done. Grief can last for years. It can la- grief can last for a lifetime. And it's all about whether you're able to go forward with your grief. As we tell those in, in the group and those that are in grief work, um, the next thing keep doing the next thing. If any of you have ever been, um, have, have experienced a loss, you'll find very common things like extreme fatigue, a mind that, oh my gosh, I don't know where I put this or what did I do with that? It's a fog. Hmm. We refer to it as grief brain. Um, it's, it's a difficult course and it's, it's physical. You know, you wonder why people are so tired that are going through grief and loss. And it's because it is, it takes every fiber of your being. Um, we liken it often, or I would like to liken it to, um, if you have a traumatic amputation. When that happens, when it first happens, especially if it's traumatic, okay, you got to call 911, you got to get help, you got to, you know, you're witnessing things yourself, you know, you got the blood, and if it's spurting this way, it's really dangerous, you know, but you have to tend to that, so you get it cauterized, you get it wrapped, or whatever to stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding, then you have to maybe have, well, not maybe, if it's a traumatic amputation, you're going to have surgery, there's going to be recovery involved, And if you take that, like that grieving person who suddenly lost their loved one, you were planning on Thanksgivings and Christmases and Easter's and you wake up one day and you go to bed that night and your loved one's gone. And it's like, now what do I do? It's a traumatic. Just because the person you love is is not physically with you, it doesn't stop the emotional attachment. The physical loss doesn't stop the emotional and mental loss. It's just like they're still there. You just can't feel them. You can't touch them. So we we see a community like New York, and I know it's going to hit other communities with this kind of level. When you discuss, when you talk about that that fog of grief and then the um, the, the fatigue, and, and in this case, even if it's not happening in your family, I know there, what I see posted, what I see people talking about is a lot of people are feeling it as if they've lost their own loved ones because it's so catastrophic yeah. and it just keeps going on and on and on. How, I, I'm so curious about how, how, does, how does a community heal and what, might, and what, are the, what expectations should we have for a community that's going through this kind of loss because it feels like rushing back to work is not the right thing that the slowness and this quiet time right now is actually probably appropriate. You know, you speak of appropriate. We, we talk about in grief work that your grief needs to be witnessed. Mm. Right? And one of the things with that picture you showed, um, I made sure to look at it. I looked at the different boxes because each one of those boxes is a story, is a relationship, is a love, is a loss, is a life. And it like needs to cry. Uh, I feel the same when I look at them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but, but, but what does our society tell us to do? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, you know, put it out of sight. No, 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 no. Yeah. Get it behind you. Cause if you look at that, it'll bring emotions. Okay. Cause it, and emotions means we care. Right. You know? So what, what I think needs to be done, I, I like it. Um, we watch different news stations and I do look at it. Why do I? Because I want to witness their grief. I want that loss, that life to be validated, if nothing more than in my attention to hearing their name. 
you know, in grief where we, we ask as we introduce um, to, for them to say their loved one's name. You know, when you have a mass grave like that, I mean, what were their names? What were, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it just, I mean, yeah, here I go yeah. crying, but it's, it, and, that's and how it that, feels though. It just yes. anonymizes it anonymizes these people because they haven't, it's so God awful. They haven't been claimed like what their loved ones might even not even know that they were hit. I mean, the way this thing's going down. And now, and now Jennifer, let me tell you what what else you have there. You have a little bit of a traumatic thing because you witnessed that even though you weren't there, we're not in New York, but we witness it. So there's a place in some of us that, an emotion flows, which says, I care. And then there's a place in some, they're just like, oh, well, that's dangerous. Because when we care, we help, we engage, we, we are a community. And that is what we need. We need to be a community and not just a bunch of strangers. We need to come together and help each other, especially now. And um, again, you know, with me being an old bird, I've lived through something. When you said 64, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, I vaguely remember hearing about that, but I, I have lived through some times in our country, in our world. And with this being a pandemic, this is a first for all of us. There's nobody on this planet that has experienced this before, because it's a first. And we, we need to respond to it. So we're processing a lot of stuff. We're processing grief. Um, when you observe someone else, you, if, if they're able to speak to you, you need to allow them, we need to allow them to tell their story, to express their emotion and not sit and go, oh gosh, it's been a year or that's way over in New York. It'll never happen here. You know, practicing social distancing, like in a rural community like ours, you would say, oh, we'd never get around. Oh, nobody here. I've heard so much of that. But all it takes is one to go somewhere else, to be near someone else. They go, you'll never know. So, you know, it's, it's a good thing to have a caring heart and to allow someone to process and talk through their grief. So even, it sounds like if I understand what you're saying, it even heals us a bit in the, in the exchange of sharing that, those feelings. If you're listening to the person who had the loss, so we can't be together hugging each other, which is, you know, what I want to do for uncle Steve. If we can't be hugging each other, at least we can listen to each other. And I've heard it helps to share our memories of the loved one as well. Yes. Yes. Um, there are some that will appreciate a funny story. You might wonder, how could somebody one minute be crying and the next minute they're laughing? You know? there, there's, there's stories, but that's part of the healing. It, it really is. You know? um, it, it, even my sister and I, and though she is you know, entering that, that tunnel, as we call it, um, or the valley, um, we, had a, we, we laughed. Um, we lost my mother and my grandmother. Okay, when my grandmother passed, and I've told this story before, my, my mother is at her casket there, you know, in, in our culture, you know, there's the wake and, the, and everybody's, woo, which is good, but um, we're there, all of us there, and my mother's just crying bitterly, bitterly, and she says, oh, mother, mother, I'll see you soon, my sister and I. <laughs> she goes, what? <laughs> now, my mother, I want to say not even even maybe seven, five, seven, not much longer, she passed away. And we're there. Here we are again. Oh, just bitter crying. We kind of had a moment because we looked at each other. I'm not saying it. <laughs> you know, so we make a point of that. But again, you know, it, it, it's those stories, you know, telling the stories of how they lived. Um, we talk in, in, in our group, uh, one of the things that I've, I encourage our, my bereaved with is 
it's uh, actually it's attributed to, and I need to make sure I give him credit, uh, David Kessler. He's a, a real a leader in um, grief and loss and uh, bereavement. And um, he, he wrote a book, it's called Finding Meaning. And, and I call it purpose in living on. And that meaning is what do you do with that loss? What, you know, to validate it, to make it mean something. We've all heard of MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. How did that get started? Mothers lost their kids who were killed by drunk drivers. So I say, and in a lot of our, our last session, they got a baton. I say, what is the purpose that you can take? Or what is it from that loved one that impressed your heart where you can't stop crying because you can't stop loving them, you can't stop emoting them? I say, well, hmm, that's like a baton. My mother passed on a baton of love. She loved everyone. She volunteered. She did all these things. And I saw her carry herself, a woman of dignity, pride, but yet softness and love. And I say, that's the baton. I have a baton. All my baton is music. I love for music and sharing that. So when we're running our race, okay, I'm going to touch you with a little bit of love. That's from my mom. I'm going to touch you with a little love here. And then one day we're going to take that baton and we're going to pass it on because it's going to be our time. And whoever that loved one is taking that baton, I was a track coach too. Whoever <laughs> takes that baton, you hope that they're going to run with it. And guess what they're running with? They're running with a whole legacy, a whole bunch of family. You're killing everybody. Me. And ah. it's a wonderful thing. It's beautiful. What you're saying is so beautiful. It's just killing me. <laughs> I, I, I'm such a... Uh, uh, no, it's, it's a wonderful Softy. thing. Say. It, it, and that's another thing we encourage in group because, again, other people are uncomfortable with someone's emotions. Other people are. We're okay with laughter and, you know, um, the pleasant things. But when someone's really showing how they feel. Some people can't stand it for you to get up next to them and just say, you're amazing. They're like, oh, no, I'm not. Don't <laughs> Because yes. they, they can't handle it. When we, we all know sometimes that's all somebody needs is for somebody to tell them, you know what? You're amazing. You're awesome. So yes. yeah, being seen, being seen and being heard. How fundamental is that at yes. a time when the world's a little bit quiet, except for some of us, not everybody. It's a lot of people are living in chaos right now as well. But for some of yes. us, the quiet is a good time to realize seeing our friends, even if it's through video or whatever that is, but exactly. seeing each other is, is really powerful. And, and this is something I think, I hope anyway, will go on when we're able to go back to our routines and being out because this is connection. Um, I am going to be interested in your, your next pod uh, with the, your brand and all that, because I see so many things where people can help um, people that need people to shop for them and not, you know, somebody that's a stranger, but somebody that can shop for you. Older people who don't know how to use a computer, a laptop, their iPhones, they don't know how to do it. And they, quite frankly, they don't want to learn how because it's just, oh, I'm never going to get it. But yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. Well, I, I know now, and we have telemed appointments now. The doctors want these, and I'm thinking there's a whole generation that's not going to have a clue how to do this. Exactly. So, yeah, we do need to help one another. And I, I know next door, the application next door that connects neighbors on on the internet has been a great way to find people with strengths. Next, next door is has it's <laughs> this has been the app that's probably brought communities together better than ever because it's really with your neighbors. Oh. And I know I've been asking neighbors for trades, like, can I borrow your tools in exchange for mm -hmm. some lemons? Because we have a lot of lemons right now, but mm -hmm. I don't, I just need to borrow a tool. I don't need to go buy one. I just need to borrow one, which normally, you'd, you know, there's just ways we can help each other. We've seen masks developed, um, people making the masks and things. Yes. Um, other supplies, I have le elastic, but I don't have fabric, you know, all those kinds of things. Yes. So that connecting, I really under, I really hear you on the connecting, and I, and I, um, I don't know what it's like. I'm, I, my family's not big for funerals. Mm -hmm. We just aren't a big funeral family. But for people who are used to that ceremony, like my my best friend's Creole, that's like an important. Ah, 
Like when you described all the phases, I've been to those. There's like a whole thing that happens. Yes. So what, what, what can people do to fill that loss when they can't have the, the, or the structure, the ceremony or the. And I'm glad you asked that because that is one of the things we're being creative now. Um, You know, I, I'm, you know, maybe I'm a person of faith and this being Passover, I'm thinking like with the grandkids, um, just to remember, just to take a moment. Uh, we were thinking maybe Easter morning, we would get up before the sun comes up and walk and have time that way. Um, for a loved one, um, okay, for instance, with, with my mom, we would take out a candle maybe um, have some of her favorite things that she liked, um, a meal. Um, oh, yeah. I always had to think about oh, food. And, that. and, 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 and in most, in most cultures, uh-oh, and I need to, sorry. Speaking okay. of which, can you hear that? Okay. <laughs> that, is, that, was, that was my brother-in-law. I do have, I have the back phone in case my sister, but it's, it's okay. Okay, it's okay. all right. Um, but, but you, you take whatever it was and you find a way to memorialize and you have that time with them in doing that activity. I know some that do balloons, some, um, and again, we can't go out so much now. So I would say um, having their favorite food, talking about them, telling stories, taking out pictures, doing a collage, my favorite um, therapeutic uh, technique would be writing. So journaling, you know, uh, writing a letter to them. Um, oh, I like are- that. Like, yeah, a letter. It's almost, you almost are describing when I'm listening to you talk, I almost think almost of, a, of an altar. I don't mean it in a, um, I I mean it in a, in a really positive way, which is, mm-hmm. you know, here are the, some of my favorite pictures. Here's some things that my person loved. Mm-hmm. Here are some ways I can kind of activate them in my, in my world, especially if they went to the hospital and I didn't get to see them ever come back. So I can kind of create yes. a, a healthy, yes. a healthy, positive shrine. And I love the favorite food as a celebration and a time to come together. Um, yes. It's always our older people that have the good foods like, Oh my, oh my besties. I tell families as their loved one is crossing over, you know, make sure while they're still able to talk, get those recipes because you're going to want that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Get recipes. Get get them to tell that story over and over again. And it helps them in the passing and it helps the family and the remembering. But um, you, you find creative ways. There are a lot of resources online where you can just even Google it, you know, ways to... Uh, remembrances for a loved one who has passed. And I'm sorry. Okay. I just had to make sure. I had she's to okay. Read. Yeah. I know. Well, you're sitting there real time. I want to make sure she's okay. Yeah. No, she's okay. She's okay, okay, good. So but, even, um, so, and I think, and I think you hear you saying very, very clearly that it, even if you aren't experiencing the loss immediately, but if you are feeling the loss of, from others, like when we look at the, um, the, the people being buried who are going in those pine boxes being in New York. Like, even if we're feeling that it's okay, we have permission to grieve that that's actually healthy to, to see those people and to feel that grief. Cause indirectly you are grieving that you are witnessing something that is grievous. Okay. And it is affecting your spirit. Um, and I'm not sure what our time is, but one of the things that I really wanted to kind of end on and if I'm yeah. allowed to share my screen, I don't know if you've ever heard of the. You can share your screen too. Just go ahead and hit okay. the anchoring anchoring heart technique. No, and I think in this day and time, it's a it's a very good thing. And I can send this to you where you can anybody I guess can can yeah I'll post it in the blog get, so we can yes, have yes. that. You can absolutely share your screen and we can see what okay. you're. I'm gonna make sure I have it keyed up. I do. I know that's, um, that's mine. That's my challenge. Yeah, here we go. Uh, oh, I have to share screen. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, share screen. I am sharing screen. Post disabled attendee screen oh. sharing. So you. It is. Uh, let's see. Advanced. Great. Okay. Let me just see. Uh, uh, all participants. Okay. Here we go. That should try it again. Okay. There it goes. Yay. Okay. okay good. Technology, folks. Oh, I love it.
Oh, um, okay. This is called, let's see if I can make this bigger. There we go. Um, this is called anchoring heart technique. Um, and if I can read quickly, the anchoring heart technique is an, it's an old, it's a somatic practice. And it grounds people and helps them to feel more secure. You know, I, I listened to some of your earlier podcasts and there were people who were saying, man, just hearing this news is disconcerting to me and I just, oh, I can't handle it. There's a lot of that now. There's a lot of things like that. Well, what it does, and I'll do this quickly, um, it comforts your feelings, but when you are centered um, and you're calm, and that's a, a breathing involved, a deep breathing. Uh, here, let me get my whole screen. There we go. Um, you might, you might, you want to feel open and relaxed when you're centered. Um, but when you're beside yourself, your anxious energy, it, it rises, you're, you're, you're anxious. And sometimes you feel it in your shoulders, you feel it in your chest, usually. Um, in, in clinical work, we would ask, you know, where are you feeling your pain, your discomfort, your anger, or oh, your yeah. hurt? Okay. And people will often clutch their chest, some their stomach. Um, but this anchoring heart technique, uh, what you want to do, um, you, and again, I'm not getting into any mystical anything here, but there's three steps. You want to anchor your heart firmly. And as it was in that picture with one hand or two, and you breathe deeply in and out. And just for a few seconds, you want to find a place where you're calm and you're comfortable. And it helps you with using your hands to apply pressure there. This is used with a lot of veterans, as you can see here, um, helping them to, in, the, in, the, in those that have been combat veterans especially, um, to quiet themselves, especially in a place where they've not been able to talk about the atrocities and the things that they've seen and, and things maybe they've done. So again, the anchoring heart as we go on down. You can use it with another. Um, and you always get permission before you do that. Um, can oh, I? I like that. Please? Yeah, you could just make that contact with another human being and just, yes. especially someone who's struggling or scared. Yes. And all you're doing is just placing it there and let's breathe deeply in and out. And you're calm and soothing whether you allow them to talk. If they can, Sometimes this is done with people that they can't talk. They're at that place. And you can tell, though, they're anxious and maybe a little fearful. We, at the bedside, um, often will hold a hand. Okay, I'm going to stop the share. We would, you would hold a hand usually at the bedside or wherever. But when you can't do that, again, anchoring your own heart or anchoring someone else. But it's just a really good technique. And most importantly, is that connection. It's a way for them to be validated. It's calming and a way for you to calm yourself. God, I can even imagine using that with a scared kid, that, that oh, very yes. cool contact of yes. just, yes. Yes. You know, and I'm here with you. I'm not leaving you. You're okay. I love that. Thank you so much. That's really powerful. The anchoring heart. I will post that in the blog for sure. So okay. folks can see that, see how it's done and remind themselves, maybe put it up somewhere if you're going to need it. Cause it's important to check in and take care of yourself. Oh my gosh. Yes. We're not yeah. done. Like this is going to happen. Like this is happening. So. That's uh, a whole nother story. I could give you like the way you devise a workout you can do at home, the way you can engage with kids at home. Um, but that's, that's that therapist hat. But yes. I love it. Okay. Well, uh, are there any questions from anybody? I, I think you have a fan club on the, in the meeting today. <laughs> are there any questions from anybody or just want to say a, a thank you or a hell yeah? You know, I have something to say. I love it. <laughs> no, I just wanted to thank Andrea because I, you know, I shared with you that um, early in early 2019, within 80 days, we lost both my mom and my dad. And Andrea was there, you know, um, with the thing with my mom um, uh, as a support group. And then um, she was with us uh, with my dad. So um, 
she's been a big part of uh, my sister and I's lives and, and um, you know, full disclosure, I've shared with you, she is my um, one-on-one therapist. And it's been really great because when I was down in the Central Valley, I popped in on there. Um, I suggested she do Zoom because of what you were doing. And so she did that and um, I jumped in. And even last night I drove out to Pacific Grove and showed him the sunset as we were doing group last night. So my group um, therapy here in um Monterey's closed down and so I'm I'm sharing with them and um, I just thank Andrea for everything she does not just for my family but all the families that she's dealing with and now she's dealing with it um, herself um, and um, I just and I, I had never seen that the sharing heart thing so that was that was a really good thing I, I'd never seen that so um, I just want to thank her for everything she's done for everybody in down in in the the Central Valley. Donna, you picked, you recommended a very good person. I can see why. Wait, now I'm going to, now I'm so paranoid about how to say your name. I'm going to call you Andy. I can see why <laughs> that feels right to me somehow. Um, yeah, it feels, I can see why you said you got to get Andy on because she's, she's got something in it. And I could tell from the first moment I talked to her on the phone that she had this presence and calm. I can absolutely understand as a, as a, as a counselor, Andy, how you touch people because you just, you have this confidence and this calm that comes through, which I think is really reassuring and provides strength. So thank you. It's just really powerful. Passed down from the elders, passed down from my family. You, when you see me, you truly see my mother, my grandmother, my sisters, my, my family, it's, it's community. And then it reflects the other people, the people that I'm working with. You know, I really like that if there's a takeaway today, as we're dealing with loss, the idea of instead it's actually how we've, how we've come together as humans, our own identity is the, is the bringing together of all the people that have touched us. You know, we, we are, we're made of all the stuff of the people we've loved, even, you know, friends and acquaintances and everybody we've loved that has touched us, has shaped and made us who we are. So I love that that's how you intentionally come, come to the come forward and present yourself. Like I bring all the goodness with me. Oh man. Yeah. And I, and I think another thing with our group is we all say when we're together, whether it's their group or or my group here, it's you're with people that get it. And Jennifer reminds me a lot, especially your podcast last yesterday with Chris, um, which was very powerful. I listened to it last night um, is that you guys have that as well um, for all of you that are survivors of the golden state killer. And I shared that, story with Andrea, your, your background and your loss of your dad and stepmom, that, um, it's, it's a place where you all go because those people you're with, they get what everybody went through. They get it. Yeah. It's, and it's like with us, with grief, everybody that we're, they get it. Yeah. I think until you decide to really open yourself to it and feel it, you don't understand the power of it. But Mm -hmm. once you let it in, it's like, I can't imagine a life without it now. So I always say my life changed since the arrest because, because of the survivors of all things. But that, in, in, in a weird way, even repaired my relationship with my dad and my stepmom. So wow. all those things, just that oh, you have to let it in, though. You have to be willing to let it come. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And another thing that happens is she starts the group, but she very rarely interjects because it gets going and we just, everybody plays off of one another, what they're feeling. Oh, I feel that too. And it takes over a life of its own, which is what it's meant to do. Right. And that shared experience is, I mean, we're all sharing a horrible experience with COVID and yet there's these stories of how it's bringing us together and the stories of these healthcare workers who are just, they're heroes, but they get reinforced from one another. They see each other be strong. Like it's stunning to me. And I'm so glad we're tuning into it because I feel like we need to, if we're going to, if we're going to help our, our country and help where we're going and our kids that are just young right now, we have to tune into this stuff. We have got to start living with much more awareness. Well, and I was going to, um, Andrea too, I was going to suggest that you watch um, Jen's podcast from Monday and then this coming Monday, because she gave us an exercise to do. And as I was listening to her on Monday, I really feel it can be used maybe in group for people of what you, what you always say the purpose is, what our purpose is when, yes. as we go yeah. through our journey um, to help people decide what their purpose is maybe. So you might want to check, check out Monday's podcast because it, um, it's kind of about self-branding, but 
as I was listening to Jen, I was, I was like, oh, this would be perfect for, for, yeah. um, for the group maybe to, uh, as far as grief goes. Donna, you're so hired, but it, it's, it is, it's about <laughs> intention. It's about awareness and it's about being purposeful. So. Well, my son is actually going to um, start looking at him. He's in Oregon, my, my youngest, and he's an entrepreneur. He made me think of the one guy on there a whole lot. I forget this, Ron, I think it was. But, yes, um, Ron, Ron Johnson, yeah. He kind of he uh, popped out at me when I was looking at this. <laughs> but anyway, um, because he made me think of my son. Anyway, he's going to start watching him too. So you're going to get out there because, yeah, it, it, was, it was very powerful. Yeah, Ron's a good, he's a great guy. And we talked, interestingly, after Ron was on this show, I went on his podcast and we ended up talking about confidence and insecurity. Mm. And it was shocking to me how much a 39-year-old black man and a 58-year-old white woman had similar childhoods that shaped us. And it was around confidence and insecurity. And yes. I thought, we're not different. This is just driving. I mean, we have different experiences, of course. But at our core, in our being, there's so much in common. And that there's a link to that additional podcast on Ron Johnson's page in my blog. So it's a, it, it, w- middle of the conversation, I'm like, holy crap, this is a powerful conversation we're having. <laughs> like, I, wow. And even uh, the woman he does the podcast with, he's his girlfriend, but she was like, I just shut up because you two just lit it up. But it just happened. Chemistry, you know, it just, yeah. it was yeah. a moment, like one of those moments where you just get chills and go, wow, wow. Yeah. So thanks, Donna, for the connecting the dots. Yeah, this is all related. It all, that the meta is all about intention and awareness and, and for me doing good. And it's just, that's, that is, that's how we're going to start to see pe- people separated here. It's going to be the people who want to really do good and make change and the people who don't care. And I'm done with them. Like I, I, I want them to hear the story, but if they can't join us, we got to move on. Cause those of us who are ready to do good and go change the world are ready. We're ready. Just got to keep doing it. That's right. Keep slogging ahead. Andrea, thank you so much for coming today. This was great. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I can't wait to get it posted and share with everybody because I, I think that these words will help people in a time when it's really crazy. I hope so. And just know, um, and when you'll have it on there, if people would like to join, um, they can give, they can do the email. They can contact me through email. I can reach out to them because through Adventist Health, we can do community bereavement um, and okay. reaching out to others. And uh, I'm not opposed to that. Um, like I say, I'm in this to provide soul care. So. Thank you. Well, I'm going to verify all that with you and then I'll get on the blog and make sure people know how to reach you. Thank, Thank you, you so much, everybody, for coming today. I feel, oh, I feel better. This has been a hard morning. This feels like <laughs> really good right now. I want to thank everybody for coming and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. However you're doing Passover, Easter, whatever you're celebrating, do it mindfully and, and remember those who have gone before us. They're here too. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.